Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old while pressing on to the new. If you're new to this podcast, I want to welcome you. Thank you for stopping by. And if you are a subscriber, I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in, to listen, to learn, and of course, to grow. You know, I am excited to share with you that uh, this podcast is being downloaded all over the world. We have people in India, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom, Germany, South Africa, Colombia, Norway, Netherlands, Guatemala, Paraguay, Malaysia, Hungary, Haiti, Bolivia, Spain, Egypt, Ecuador, Algeria, Cameroon, and Saudi Arabia. Pretty cool. What started out as a pandemic project right around the time that the pandemic started, uh, this was just uh, something that was going to be, according to me, temporary. (laughs) It's turned out to be not every week, but at least every three weeks, you'll find a new episode that incorporates psychology, theology, and spirituality. I hope that you learn from uh, these episodes and that it truly helps set you free and that you would discover the potential that you have and that you have been created for. (laughs) God bless you guys. A few days ago, and for a brevity of time, the whole world turned and focused on Inglewood, California. Why, you may ask. Well, Super Bowl 56, of course. The LA Rams were playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, you already know if you've been watching the news or if you've been connected to social media, you know that the LA Rams won by a few points. No, you're probably thinking this episode is going to be about football. I think you know me better than that. <laughs> this is not about football. It's not about teamwork or how to win or how to lose. No, 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 no. It's none of that. Or you may be thinking, well, Milton is going to talk to us about how much he disapproves of football because of the potential TBIs. TBI stands for traumatic brain injury caused by severe concussions. Of course, it's part of the sport. And although the player may suffer a concussion, a severe one for that matter, may not see the full-blown effects right away, but over time and over the years, it could bring long-term damage to their lives. And therefore, I am completely and 100% against football or allowing children to play football simply because their brains aren't even fully developed at that point. And so I have seen, I have eyewitnessed way too many accidents. I have witnessed uh, players, young players passing away due to traumatic brain injury. And I have also seen those who are pro players or were pro football players that ended up retiring and not living out a healthy life due to the damage that had been caused to their brains. This is also true of those who practice other disciplines like boxing. Actually, any, any sport in which the head is directly impacted or could potentially be impacted uh, has the same probability of developing long-term damage, just as someone who is exposed to an accident. And, uh, and hit in the head. I mean, we've heard of so many skiers that have been going down a slope and accidentally hit a tree and end up dying a few hours later. Well, I'm not wanting to sound like a Debbie Downer here. I'm just stating the facts. And again, this episode is not about traumatic brain injury. I just had to share this with you. (laughs) In case you've been thinking about uh, enrolling your child in a football program, believe me, there are better options out there. 
During the game, there were tons of highlights on social media. You know, they were highlighting the game, the players, the uh, the score. Um, you know what they were doing right, what they were doing wrong. Then they had the halftime show, and they they were highlighting you know Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem and all the other people that are older, probably older than I am. <laughs> Nonetheless, they did get a, a, a standing ovation, I think. And so everyone was highlighting whatever you know they thought was most notable. But you know what? One of the highlights that caught my eye because it became it became one of the the biggest highlights was the fact that seventy five thousand people in a stadium. Yes, uh-huh, I believe it was seventy thousand plus. Okay, in a stadium, maskless. None of them, or perhaps a small percentage of them, were wearing a mask. Most of them were maskless. Even those that promote the wearing of masks. A lot of the uh, famous people are the artists that promote vaxxing and boosting and masking and all these things. They weren't wearing a mask. And not because they were shoving a hot dog down their mouths, you know, down their bellies. They just weren't wearing a mask. From Jay-Z to Matt Damon, The Rock, LeBron James, J-Lo, Ben Affleck, Magic Johnson, the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, and Ellen DeGeneres, all of which promote the wearing of masks on their social media platforms. So, this is what I call the mask hypocrisy. And you might think, well, okay, they were in an open area. With 75,000 other people. Come on. That's an open area, but that's too close for comfort. Come on. Let's be honest. And so there's a discrepancy here, a huge discrepancy. Now, let me, let me just preface by saying this. I'm not an anti-vaxxer or a vaxxer enforcer. Okay? I'm not. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't like to be asked if I'm vaccinated, nor will I ask you if you are vaccinated. I believe in prophylactic practices. And uh, you can make your own deduction from that. (laughs) And uh, I am thankful to the Lord that I and my whole family, myself, have been very healthy since the pandemic. And we continue with life as normal, as normal as possible. And so going back to the whole scene, this uh, video that went around, I don't know if it uh, became a viral video, but just of all these people that were completely unmasked, there is a discrepancy, of course, because a lot of people can't go to the supermarket without wearing a mask, you know, and you are far more than six feet apart. And yet, you are forced to wear a mask. There are places, there are states within the United States or there are places in the world where you can't go into a restaurant. Uh, We were going to travel with a group of uh, students to Washington, D.C. until we found out that unless you have your, your, your vaccination card that you can't get into restaurants or hotels, you know, that we would have to eat out on the streets and not be able to enjoy a meal inside a, a building. And so we had to completely change the course of our trip and reroute to Florida. (laughs) We had to uh, give up the Smithsonian Museums for, of course, Disney. Oh, bummer. (laughs) I know the kids are happy. But, you know, we had to make these changes. We had to adapt simply because, you know, there are certain mandates that uh, we can't all fulfill. Okay, I know it might sound like I'm on a rabbit trail, (laughs) but stay with me. 
There is a point. There is a reason for what I am sharing with you today. There is a purpose, and you'll see it towards the end. One of the uh, the videos that, uh, or several videos that were surfacing, uh, they were from different classrooms from around the world, a lot of them from the United States, from different uh, cities where the mask mandate had been lifted. And picture this, you've probably seen them on social media. It's a teacher. Uh, usually, most of the videos were, were students that were probably in the third through fifth grade, mainly little guys, and the teacher is videotaping them as she informs them. Of course, they're all wearing masks at this point. She informs them that they will no longer have to wear a mask. I mean, the students break out in a cheer, in a frenzy. They are elated, to to say the least. In some videos, you can see children just ripping off the mask and proceeding to shred it while tossing it into the trash. The boys and girls in the video broke out into a celebration, a celebration of victory. It took me back to my first marathon in New York uh, while crossing the finish line at Central Park. You know, I almost collapsed and got down on my knees and I, and I praised God because I finished because 26.2 miles and I wasn't sure that I was going to make it, but then I did. That's what it reminded me of. Crossing that finish line, it was like these boys and girls were going through that 26.2 miles. They didn't know if they were going to make it. They were about to collapse. And then finally, they crossed the finish line and they celebrated. In a few of the videos, I saw children laughing while others jumping for joy, while others cried because they were so grateful that it was finally over. And I don't want to sound melodramatic, but, but, it was quite the scene. Now, there's an important thing to note that uh, even though some children are allowed to go maskless because the mandate has been lifted, you're going to find that there are small percentages of children that will refuse to remove it. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I have seen uh, young men and women in therapeutic sessions because they've developed extreme anxiety. They've developed this fear, uh, germophobia, uh, because of the pandemic. Now, this isn't what this wasn't something that they were suffering from before. This is post-pandemic, not pre-pandemic. They were perfectly normal. Nevertheless, the news, their parents their situation, uh, circumstances, environment, everything played an important role to conditioning the minds of these boys and girls, which now have a hard time even considering taking off their masks due to an extreme fear of being infected by COVID or any variant of COVID for that matter. Actually, afraid of getting sick, period. When masks were originally enforced and people were getting used to them, a lot of young people were suffering from panic attacks, anxiety, feelings of uh, claustrophobia, uh, difficulty breathing, dizziness. I mean, you name it. There, there was a, a, a plethora of different symptoms. 
And now that the mandates have been lifted in many states, many cities, some children are having a hard time removing it because now they, they're afraid that without it, they are unprotected and could potentially die. This is a reality that a lot of people are living today. And this is proof that the mind can be easily maneuvered, manipulated, can be influenced, can be programmed, conditioned to believe a certain way. And moreover, children, children are the most susceptible. Anywhere between the ages of 0 through 11, the subconscious mind is still very malleable. And so whatever you tell it repeatedly, whatever it experiences the most, that is exactly the way that it will view the world. Consider someone who grew up in the latter years um, after the Great Depression. I mean, these are people that grew up uh, and became, many of them, hoarders. They, they collected every single item they had. They reused things over and over because they grew up with a sense of, of scarcity, with a, with, with a scarcity mindset. And so the, the situation that they were exposed to, in this case, the Great Depression, you know, which really uh, hit many, many people in the United States back in the, uh, the 20s. I mean, consider that. These people grew up in poverty. They went from having much to having nothing at all. And, and it happened from one day to the next. And so these, these children that grew up during that time, during the latter years, perhaps, or even uh, post-Great uh, Depression, they, they, they learned how to survive, and uh, they watched their parents hoard and, and reuse things, recycle things. And so even though they, you know, they did well in life as adults and they saved money for retirement, they were still hoarding things. They were still holding on to things. Why? Because their circumstances, their environment caused them to create a worldview a mindset, a, we can call it a scarcity mindset. And, and, and this, this worldview is the lens through which, or the framework through which they saw the world. And so this is to prove to you that the mind is completely and utterly susceptible to being influenced, conditioned, or programmed a certain way. Just recently, I was uh, I had the privilege of sharing uh, for a couple of hours to a group of administrators and leaders at Sherryland Independent School District, and I touched on this very idea that the minds are easily programmed, especially children, and that the pandemic has completely distorted the way that they view life and their own lives. And so, <laughs> I shared an example with them, and it's based on a new syndrome, a newfound syndrome called the phantom cell phone syndrome. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the phantom cell phone syndrome, but if you're not familiar with the term, perhaps you are familiar with the effects. <laughs> you know, it happens to people who usually carry their cell phones in their back pocket. If that's you, this may have occurred to you before. And basically what it is, is when you feel your phone in your back pocket vibrate, and when you reach over to grab it, and it's not there. Right, it's not there. You're probably thinking, 
oh yeah, that's happened to me before. Yeah. Well, our minds get so used to this device vibrating at you know specific times or random times throughout the day that your mind is already preconditioned to feeling it and even hearing it. And so the mind is becomes accustomed to it vibrating at certain times. And if it's not in your back pocket, well, you can still feel it. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Kind of, kind of freaky too. But that's how the mind works. It is easily programmed. I mean, think about Pavlov. Pavlov had a dog and he tried to he tried this very experiment. He wanted to prove that it was possible to condition the mind. What did he do? He had a bell. He had a dish with dog food and a dog. And so every time he would put out the dish with the food for the dog at a specific time, he would ring the bell. He would put the food down, put the dog close to it, and ring a bell. And he did this subsequently for several days. Eventually, he just rang the bell and the dog came over to the food. He did this several times. You see, he had already trained the dog. He had conditioned the dog to believe a certain way. And then eventually, he would just ring the bell, and the dog would come over to the food, but Pavlov would remove the food and only ring the bell. And so the dog would come because the bell was ringing, and that meant food, but when he came into the room, there was no food. The dog would just stand there and begin to salivate. And so Pavlov tried this. Wherever the dog was at, he would just go and ring a bell next to him, and the dog would salivate. There was no food at all. There was no, uh, no stimulus, no stimuli, other than you know the bell, but there was no food. But the dog salivated. That is a basic principle right there in mental conditioning or mental programming. That is exactly what is happening to a lot of people. It's, it's been happening since the pandemic hit, and it continues to happen. You've heard me say this before, that repetition is one of the most powerful tools to shape, mold, manipulate, influence, program, and control the human mind. Yes, repetition. Whatever we hear about consistently will become our reality. It could be the biggest and most far-fetched lie. However, because it is repeated over time, people will succumb to the thought and believe it. It will leave an imprint in the subconscious mind. Whatever you don't negate becomes your reality. You know, it's, it's like fear, and I love the, the, the acronym, you know, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. A perfect example is a child that's been told that if he doesn't behave or if he doesn't go to bed on time, that the boogeyman that lives underneath his bed or in his closet will actually um, mess with him at night. He's going to pull his feet or is going to make noise or is going to scare him. Uh, and, and the child goes to bed knowing or believing that this, this so-called monster or boogeyman is in the closet. And so as the parent does this, and this is, let me just say, bad parenting, very bad parenting. As a parent does this um, over time, and it really doesn't take a lot of repetition. It only takes a few times for the child to start to believe 
that in fact there is something in the closet. And he can look under the bed, look in the closet before going to bed, find nothing at all. But yet, upon you know, getting in bed, starts to hear noises and, 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 and eventually sees the monster, hears the monster, and feels the monster pulling at his feet at night. That's how powerful the mind is. And that can work both ways, let me tell you. As a life coach, I can tell you that uh, I love to observe uh, human behavior, and I love to help people uh, hack their behavior and, uh, and shift it completely. And, and so it is possible. Even scripture says so. You know, I, I love to quote Romans 12 too. If you're familiar with the Bible, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, don't conform to the ways of the world. In other words, he's saying, don't succumb to the pattern of this, of this culture. Uh, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, don't succumb to it. He says, don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and improve God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. The mind can be influenced, it can be transformed for good also, not only for bad, you know, but our environment will change our identity. Our environment changes our identity. I don't know if I've shared this with you guys before, but there's a story in the Bible that uh, actually I just shared today at church. Um, there's a story in the Bible about a young man named Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was, he was a grandson to a king. Uh, you probably heard or read in the Bible about King Saul. King Saul, this was uh, King Saul's grandson. He was also, Mephibosheth was the son of uh, Jonathan, who was a prince. Jonathan was David's best friend. They were very close, very tight. And uh, long story short, Grandpa and Dad go off to fight the Philistines, and they lose. And so they die on the battlefield. And so when word gets back to the palace, everyone is in a frenzy because they know. They know that traditionally or historically, the, the, the victorious uh, uh, army would come, in this case the Philistines, and obliterate obliterate the family, leaving no one behind, destroying the complete, you know, family tree. And so the nanny who took care of Mephibosheth, at that time he was a a young child, she quickly wrapped him in her arms and ran away as fast as she could to hide the young man, to salvage his life. And in the process, she falls, lands on his two legs and cripples the young man. And so they flee to a place called Lodabar, which Lodabar stands for desolate place, place of great desolation. Uh, the people that lived there were either sick or outcast or both, but they were not invited to be part of society. And so there they were in a place far, far away, pretty much forgotten. You know, a lot of homeless people were out there. And so this young man named Mephibosheth, who grew up in a palace, was born in a palace, had nannies, servants, the best food, had all the toys a young man could could desire. He ends up in Lodabar with two, you know, crippled legs. And he grows there for many, many years, and I'm talking many years, his whole life pretty much. At this point, Mephibosheth has already become an adult, and David is now king. And he's been king for a while, and so... Nobody really knows, but for some odd reason, you know, he feels a tug in his heart and he calls on one of his servants. His name was Ziba. 
And he says, hey, Ziba, I want you to go and see if there's anyone left from the house of Saul. I want to bless them, he says, uh, simply because, and I'm paraphrasing, right? Simply because of my friendship with Jonathan. I want to bless whoever's left. And of course, servant says, well, nobody was left. You know, this was, you know, years ago, decades ago, they were completely destroyed. And he says, go and, 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 and see there if anyone is left. And so he comes back with great news. He says, well, I found Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. He says, Jonathan, your buddy, his son actually survived. And he tells them the story on how they fled and ended up in Lodabar. So David says, bring him to me, bring him to me so that I can give him what is his, what is owed to him. And so as Mephibosheth comes in to the royal palace and he is brought, you know, before the king into the king's chambers and they, I guess they, you know, the guy is, of course, crippled, right? And so I don't know if they bring him on some kind of contraption or they're carrying him or, or what's going on, but they, uh, they put him down on the ground and the Bible says that Mephibosheth pretty much dropped his face down to the ground. And when David said, Mephibosheth, come forth, that Mephibosheth said, Lord, who am I? Who am I but a dead dog that you would call me into your presence? Wow. Wow. A dead dog. Can, can I remind you? Can I remind you that this kid grew up, not only grew up in a palace, was born in a palace? raised in a palace. Grandpa was a king. Dad was a prince. He had everything a kid could ever want or desire. But, and here's a big but, but because his destination was shifted, it was aborted, the kid ends up in Lodabar. The place of great desolation. And so his environment completely overhauled his mindset. It completely rewired everything in him, completely changing his own perspective of self. It changed his identity. And I'm sure that he was fearful, anxious, and depressed. Well, the beauty of the story is that David shows him compassion. And he says, from this day forth, he says, you will eat at the king's table. And so that's a nice ending, of course, you know, after spending so many years in Lodabar. But the reason I share this with you is very simple. It's a simple fact that everyone and anyone can fall into this trap of mind hacking, you know, their minds are rewired because, you know, the government is telling you that one variant is, is, is gone, but here comes another one. <laughs> People are masking and vaxxing and boosting and, and doing all sorts of things. And then all of a sudden you see a stadium with 75,000 people who are unmasked. And that sets off a red flag to the world, especially the United States where many states have already started considering lifting the mandates. Why? Well, because of the hypocrisy. It almost seems like people are starting to wake up out of this stupor that they have been in. Now, once again, 
I don't want to sound disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but it's just the fact. A lot of people have have fallen into a trap. A lot of people have succumbed to ideologies and philosophies and conspiracy theories. I just want to encourage you today, don't let the things of the world, don't let these ideas or philosophies change who you are. Don't let it alter your identity. Don't allow fear into your life. Fear will breed anxiety, and anxiety will breed depression. And and then you become, no longer become an asset to your family, but you become a liability. And so make sure to submit those thoughts. Take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Let him unravel them for you and shed some light on what you're believing. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, the Bible says, and lean not on your own understanding. If you are currently struggling with feelings of fear, anxiety, or depression, because of everything going on in the world today, because of the news that you hear, and because you have a hard time just shutting off the TV or the computer, and you engage in the news and in the social media and some of the lies that are being shared and conspiracy theories and you have allowed those things to control the way that you feel control your thought process your decisions and they have bogged you down and you feel a a heaviness on you because at times you don't know what to do times you feel like you're running out of hope and faith and you at times have questioned God can I pray for you if that's you if you've been going through any of this let me pray for you right now would you close your eyes and bow your head if you're in a place to do that Father we come before you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus First of all, to thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace, for your mercies that are new every morning, for always extending that unconditional love to each and every one of us. Father, I pray for those that are listening right now, especially those that have been struggling since the beginning of the pandemic. Father, struggling simply because fear has crept into their minds and into their hearts and have changed their identity. At some point, they minimize their faith and they maximize their fear. But I pray, Father, that as of today, they would take faith and place it above fear. Knowing that you, O God, are for them and not against them. That you sustain them and empower them. That you forgive them and that you love them. Father, I pray that you would work in their hearts. That you would work in their minds. And that you would help them break free from any of the strongholds that is keeping them tethered 
immobile, unable to pursue the calling that you have for their lives. Father, embrace them today as they listen to this prayer and make them feel loved. May the Holy Spirit reveal to them what it is that they need to do to be set free. Father, we thank you because we know that you are a God of faithful promises, that you are a God that always has his children's best interest at heart. Thank you, Father, for you are good, for you are God, and you will do what you said you would do. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Well, I sure hope that today's episode blessed you. I hope it opened your eyes. I hope today's prayer has helped bring peace into your heart and into your mind. I'm going to be thinking about each and every one of you that have been connecting. If you have any special request, write it down on the comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're struggling with. I'm happy to pray for you. I'm happy to put you on my list and lift you up in prayer. God is good. He is real. He never changes. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and ever, and ever. Don't ever doubt in Him. He's right next to you. He's right in front of you. He's behind you. He's above you, and He's beneath you. He's all around you. So, don't forget to uh, share this episode. Don't forget to leave a comment. And uh, I pray, I pray that you have the best day ever. (laughs) God bless you.